the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation. The true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me with Season Watch again today. And of course, we want to start with prayer. Jesus, I just ask you to come into our hearts afresh and to reveal yourself to us. Lord, help us to open our hearts to you and to know that you are with us, that you are watching over us, that you are guiding us. God, that we can trust you with all our cares. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, friends, as I explained in my last episode, I had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem for Pentecost celebration, which we were talking about in detail last week. And we discussed uh, the beauty and spiritual significance of this event. I have to tell you, uh, it was a very eye-opening experience. And so I have a lot to share. But um, first of all, I'm back. I flew in yesterday afternoon, so I'm still processing things. My brain might not work as well as it should, but um, hopefully we could talk about the significance of these spiritual events, the things that are happening right now, and how we can rise to the occasion, because frankly, um, I think we don't really understand um, how much is going on in the spiritual realm. And so um, anyway, God packed a lot into just a few days, but right now I want to share some observations pressing on my heart. And um, they relate to last week's discussion. So these are just my own personal observations. They're fresh, but I hope they stir your heart as well. So friends, fasten your truth belts as today we talk about Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is given to bring us higher. That's what we need to come up higher, right? Now we'll review some of last week's discussion concerning Pentecost. As I said before, God gave several feasts and holy days to Israel when he brought them out of Egypt and began to prepare them to become his nation of chosen people, selected, planted, and pruned to represent him among the nations. And among these holy days, three feasts were instituted that required every male to go up to Jerusalem every year to the holy temple or the tabernacle each year. So three times a year, these were to be observed in Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant was. And this ordinance came with a promise of peace and prosperity throughout the land. And so they were to do that. And as we said, the first of these required feasts was the Passover and unleavened bread, which we talked about in detail. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread follows the Passover, right? Passover is represented by Jesus's, uh, uh, representing he died in our place and we we, by his blood, death has passed over us. And then uh, Passover the, is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Jews would go up and at Passover and stay for the whole Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
and that this is when they represent the commemoration of when they had to escape from Israel and they no longer had leaven, which represented sin, and they left the sin and the worship of false gods back in Egypt. And so that's us cleansing ourselves from sin and from moving moving forward to be God's people. And then the second required feast is Pentecost, or Shavuot, Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, because it comes seven weeks, or seven sevens, after the Passover. So it lands on the 50th day, and the Feast of Shavuot focuses on celebrating the Feast of Grain Harvest, the first grain harvest, so it's clearly got a spiritual type concerning both God's earthly provision as well as the spiritual harvest of souls for his kingdom. And so hopefully we'll come back to this in more detail, but Now, the third feast, which we mentioned again, is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's later in the year, generally around October or end of September. It's called Sukkot, and it means booths, which is another week-long celebration commemorating when Israel dwelled in tents after they left Exodus, right? And how God kept them with a pillar of fire and smoke. I mean, the miraculous things that he did in the Exodus and during their journey in the desert. And it's also called ingathering because it celebrates a great bounty of the summer end harvest of grains and all matters of fruit. I actually... Uh, so when we see this spiritual principle that many Christians believe is that this feast represents when God will gather in the church during the rapture as a final sign to Israel of the true significance of these feasts. And so uh, we know the other ones were fulfilled in Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So maybe that one will be the rapture of the church. And then, of course, the end of the times of the Gentiles will end at that point. And we're already seeing this shift from the times of the Gentiles moving over to what Jesus said would happen, where all eyes will be back on Israel. We've talked about that in previous episodes. And so, as we said last week, most Christians do not know uh, that Shavuot or Pentecost also commemorates the day that the law was given to Israel, the day that Moses received the commandments, and significantly when God presented his covenant of promise to Israel, which they accepted and agreed to. So Pentecost is the day that God gave the covenant to Israel, right? The law. And by fulfilling the law, he would uh, provide for them and make them a special people and watch over them and protect them. And so isn't that amazing? And we discussed briefly the significance of this feast is understood when we remember that God gave a promise for a new covenant. And the new covenant is not based on following the law to the letter of the law, which no human could do, but based on the new spirit, right? The the Holy Spirit that he would give to those who love him and those who respond to his call. And so we see this new promise given in Jeremiah of the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, which comes as God was actually about to judge Israel. He was about to send them out of the land and destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And it was a great destruction because they had not kept his covenant. He sent them out into captivity. And this promise for a new covenant comes as he's sending them out because, of course, God's always speaking to the remnant who will return to him. And so we see in Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one: Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in that day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Isn't that sweet? 
but this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. See, not on tablets of stone. And it says in verse 34, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and say every man to his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Isn't that an amazing promise? And that's the new covenant that we as Christians hold on to and Messianic Jews. So the first covenant came to Israel by the law, but no one could keep it. And as Peter pointed out in Acts 15, and they decided, well, we can't ask the new Gentiles to keep the law. We couldn't keep the law. We were saved by grace uh, through Jesus. And that's when he delivered the Holy Spirit. And so God, God promised a new covenant through his son, not dependent on the law. And the new covenant came through his son because he sacrificed himself for us. He fulfilled the law and then laid down his life. And he became that sacrifice and cleared the way, opened the opened the veil between us and God. And so now we see that instead of fire on Mount Sinai when the law was given and the thundering voice when God delivered the law, the first time instead we see the life-giving Holy Spirit was poured out, right? And we saw tongues of fire in the Pentecost, which we read last time. The Pentecost account, the tongues of fire were on their heads because the Holy Spirit brought the the law to life, Right. And so the Spirit fulfills the law by giving us the heart of flesh, sensitive to God instead of the tablets of stone, which we were not able to keep. And so when we look at Jeremiah 31, we say, he says, this is the covenant. I'll put my law in their hearts and their minds. We will know him, right? And so interestingly, now we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to know him through his word and through the Spirit of God who lives in us, helping us to know the truth, and to, by discernment, follow the spiritual laws of God, which is what is promised in Galatians 5, right? You remember the fruits of the Spirit? A lot of us have this memorized. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's an interesting interpretation. Um, Verse 24, and those who are Christians have crucified the flesh with its passions, and oh, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, right? So we're made alive by the Spirit, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, right, which can't do anything, but we do the works, we walk in the works that God has foreordained because the Spirit has given us new life and because we're drawn to God. And it says, against such things there is no law. So by nature, we allow the seeds of this fruit to come out, and it's the Holy Spirit that develops this fruit in us. And what is the spirit of love? Uh, somebody comes by, we love them, they pluck the fruit off of us, which is the spiritual fruit. And I, I urge you to examine the fruits of the Spirit. It's beautiful principle that says that by nature, because the Spirit in us, we fulfill the law and we have great discernment in each case of what God would want us to do because the legal law, you could always find a loophole. And so humans cannot keep the law, but the gift of the new covenant is that we are free from keeping the letter of the law and we have the Holy Spirit, which now helps us know by discernment that God, what God would have us to do. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Pentecost was, the outpouring of the new covenant promise to replace the old covenant of the law given on the same 
day. Isn't that amazing? Look at the symmetry of God's word. It's amazing. And so these feasts, these principles come with great spiritual significance. We really need to grasp them. The power is in the spirit, spiritual things, the things that cannot be shaken. We trust too much in the things of this world, the things we can see and touch. And these are not the things to invest in. And these are some of the things that I've observed and, and really come to, I need to tell you that what I'm going to tell you today I needed to hear. It's about coming up higher. And so most of us have no real sense of how deeply these spiritual principles go or how high they reach into the powers of heaven. These spiritual principles, the Holy Spirit, the life of God in us to guide us and to give us wisdom, to give us power and authority to be children of God. And so we must be, we must come into the very sanctuary of God with our walk. That is where we dwell. So the Bible says we're already seated in heavenly places. We must grasp these things. These are not just things that people say. They have great significance. Um, it was interesting. My friend who I traveled with, she commented to me at one point that she thought it was interesting that um, in Ezekiel 38, God describes Lucifer that he was once a cherub for worship and that he was very beautiful until sin was found in him. And that it's he's described that he walked among the stones of fire until he was cast down. And she said, you know, I think that we can do that, that God, that's something that God can give to us to walk among the stones of fire. And I was thinking about that. I will tell you what I saw this weekend at Pentecost. Um, I believe that spiritually there is a principle that if we come up higher, we can walk among the stones of fire. And I still have to dig into that a little more, but there's something there. And um, I'm not saying I know for sure. I'm saying there's there's something there. My observations have revealed these spiritual things, we do not take them seriously in the Bible, and we have to start taking them seriously. Um, I cannot recount everything that I encountered today, all the events that I attended, um, but I will tell you the things that I saw and experienced uh, were powerful and very eye-opening and humbling, and um, I still have a lot to process. But these encounters were with strong believers from every nation and tongue. I saw them all over Jerusalem, and I have to tell you, uh, we have a lot of work to do. And then I also saw there were spiritual clashes with Muslims and Orthodox Jews who angrily resist Yeshua as the Messiah. And then, of course, there's the spiritual battle against those who have walked away from any faith in the Bible, both Jews and Gentiles. That's that's battling out. A new spirit of, um, of the age is creeping in, and many religious Jews are fighting it and, and just— going against it, and that that battle is going on. And then the spiritual battle over the Temple Mount uh, and against the Christian worship gathered at Pentecost on the Southern Steps. And you might have seen there was a live broadcast there from the Southern Steps for Pentecost, and there were many religious leaders there. And there was a great spiritual battle over that. Uh, and like I said, the Temple Mount itself. These are things that I experienced and witnessed, and, and I'm going to report some of these things, how they relate to the walking in the spirit and coming up higher. And so I encountered this raging spiritual battle over the most contested ground in the world, Jerusalem, and specifically the Temple Mount, which I was privileged to go up to this time. And I saw, again, believers from around the world living in Jerusalem or coming to Jerusalem to contend for the kingdom and for the things to come. There were Messianic Jews and faiths of all flavors, 
from all nations, from every tongue, and they are wholly given to spiritual things. This is a plane of faith and spiritual content contention that we don't know. Um, and I witnessed a surge in the spiritual battle for the souls of Jews who reject Yeshua as their Messiah, but of course we want them to come to knowledge of him, and a spiritual restlessness and anger by the religious Jews. They want to get rid of all outside influences now. This is really starting to rise in in the nation, and there are reasons for this. And they, they want to expel all influences and claims on their land, influences and claims on the temple, which they don't even have access to, only under very strict circumstances. And any claims and influence on them and their Jewish identity and their Jewish faith. And they're starting to really reject these things. And the battle is raging. It's no more evident um, that, that we are in the last days than it is in Jerusalem, where the war is on such a high spiritual plane, it is nothing like we've perceived in America. But I tell you, it's here in America, too, and it is about to bust open. And frankly, we are asleep. So as American Christians, we have been led down a beautiful path of comfort and leisure. And I tell you, we are not ready for the deep things revealed in the word, the spiritual battles and the tumult, the the whirlwinds heading towards us. We don't take seriously spiritual forces seated in high places battling for every inch of spiritual ground. The warfare is over us. And the spiritual strongholds that are taken both for God's kingdom and for the prince of darkness. And we must not take these things as hyperbolic spiritual symbols. They are the keys to surviving the most dangerous time on planet Earth for a human soul. And I want to tell you so many things that God revealed to me. God opened their ears to hear and their eyes to see and their hearts to understand. And so... After this weekend, I have had just a glimpse of the seriousness of the spiritual battle raging around us. And as believers, we are all in the Lord's army. You know that, right? We're part of God's spiritual host. But most don't even know it. Many of us drop out of boot camp and even have gone AWOL. Most of us are fresh out of boot camp and have no desire to prepare for war. That's for the generals, right? We don't want to take part in that. We're at peace we believe, and have only enlisted for the benefits, right? You know, people enlisted in the military, but we're very surprised when they were sent to battle. And that's where we are right now. Uh, we go through the motions. And when battle comes, we make mistakes, we get wounded, and we will turn and run because Satan's devices, he knows exactly how to attack us. And most of all, we get wounded. And he takes us out. He knows how to take us out. We are not prepared for what's coming. And then we often go into battle shock or we freeze or we develop PTSD and drop out of the fight. And I'll tell you um, who that soldier is, a soldier that doesn't want to train past boot camp, including myself, um, that out of boot camp, wet behind the ears soldier with no interest in understanding the battle or to sharpen her skills. That soldier, that soldier is a pawn strategically sacrificed, but of no other use, the enemy will take that soldier out. And what I saw in Israel is the fulfillment of Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. I tell you, I saw Christians from every nation, every nation. They love God. 
They love Israel, and they are contending for the faith. That's right. Christians full of holy fire for the gospel from every nation coming to pray and seek God to prepare for the battle and to pray for the spiritual storm already upon us, and we don't even see it. But they see it. These are serious, dedicated followers of Jesus spending hours in worship and prayer arming for this time with God's glory and God's spiritual armor. They are spiritually sensitive. I watch them. I tell you, there's power in it. And with them gathering together, it's like nothing I've experienced before. And it's all there in the Bible. But we don't believe what the Bible says about these the high plane of these spiritual things. They believe it. They take it seriously. They take it like a contract, like a promise, like every word cannot be broken. And that's how we should treat it. These people from every nation are preparing their walk before him with utmost reverence, standing and claiming his promises. And they're spiritual officers in the Lord's army. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, for we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't believe him though, do we? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And in Ephesians 6, we see, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's where we are. And having done all stand, you don't want to fall. And so read the spiritual armor, and then it says, uh, praying always with the prayers and supplication of the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, and supplication for the saints. He's pressing us and begging us to pray for the saints, for the protection of the saints, for the power to move forward and to withstand the attacks. Verse 19 is for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that's what we need to pray for, for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going out to the front lines of the battle to boldly contend for the 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 souls of humans that don't even understand what's going on around them, don't understand their dear need for Christ. And so in America, most Christians have not trained past boot camp, if we've even gone that far. And we're going to get chewed up in this battle, which is already raging. But we don't see it, and we don't want to see it. We have kind of a microwave faith, fast and tasteless. We need to remember that good feasts take hours of preparation, but they feed the soul and engender spiritual fellowship at a deep level with other Christians, causing us to be strong in the Lord and to strengthen each other. And over Pentecost, I witnessed people from around the world coming to honor God, seek his face, and ascend into his secret place. These people live in the tabernacle of the Most High, which is what we're called to do. I witnessed congregations of Messianic Jews, ministries of 24-hour prayer, prayer and worship, 24 hours. They go 24 hours, like houses of worship open 24 hours. So anytime you can go in because the battle is 24 hours. 
Believers that seek him in spirit and truth and focus their whole life on praying for open doors, for taking strongholds, for other believers, for breakthroughs and spiritual battle for Israel, for his people, and for every nation, for persecuted Christians. They're, they're contending for all of us and for these battles because the days are evil. These people are the elite forces of the Lord's army fighting for his kingdom to take ground before we go. And that time is coming soon. And the Bible talks about these things, but we don't take them seriously. Remember what Jesus told Nathan in John 1, uh, 50, John 1, verse 50. Jesus answered and said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What do you think he meant there? These things are not symbolic. He's giving us the keys to high-level spiritual things. They're all throughout the Bible, and we take them symbolically. We gloss over them, and we don't take them seriously. And as microwave Christians, we like to have a quick prayer and a quick word and then go our way as if the whole world is not on fire. And trust me, I'm on board. This is me too, and we all must get ready. We are not serious. We are not training. We are not honing our skills. We don't know the battle plan. We don't know what our weapons are, and we don't know how to use them. But I tell you that if we choose to seek him, we choose on this high level to seek him, then we will find that he stands behind us. He stands for us, and then he opens his secrets to us. And we have many more things to say. I tell you that We have the promise of eternal life through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is repent of our sins and tell God that you regret your sin and that you regret your rebellion against him and against what is right. And I tell you that if we believe in him, we must seek these high-level spiritual things and avoid the wounds that take us out. And next time we're going to talk about how Satan wounds us through others and how we take ourselves out by not trying to spiritually train for this high level. Um, I have many, many more things to discuss. I pray you hang in there and that we'll look at some of these scriptures. And until next time, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.